0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Today's guest comes highly recommended from the Commissioner of the NBVL and super best friend of the show, Ben Saxton. So, she is an alumni of the University of Calgary Dinos, where she was a CIS Champion, she was the Championship MVP, she's been CIS Rookie of the Year, she was Canada West Player of the Year, she's represented Canada at FISU with our national B team and on the beach. And is currently dominating the NBVL and the One Volleyball League and is a proud mother of two. And we're hoping we can get this interview in without any interruptions. But please welcome to the show, Amanda Moppet-Beach. Thanks for doing this, Amanda.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Josh.
0: So let's, uh, I guess, take it from the top and hope we can get to the NBVL and One Volleyball as much as we can. But with you growing up in Calgary, how did you kind of get into volleyball? It seems like a pretty good hotbed for not only volleyball players, but a lot of good coaches at the high school and club level.
1: Yeah, I uh, actually was a baseball player when I was younger, um, but almost as the sport, sport continued, I was almost too skinny for it. I was a pitcher, so I kind of realized I didn't have the oomph needed <laughs> for the softball league, so found volleyball at the junior high level and then uh, just loved it. And kind of from the get-go, I was always a little smart and cheesy, uh, so I kind of just made my way up and then... Uh, got into the connect league and I even uh, milan saxton was my coach in one of the early years so once i was in i was just in and didn't want to stop playing so
0: nice and what made you want to play post-secondary because uh in speaking to you before the show you mentioned you never played provincial team or anything like that so how did you know that you could have a spot on a, a good canada west team
1: It was just kind of lucky and i you know growing up i was um, the hood of Calgary. I say that lovingly because I love where I grew up, but um, never really expected to play post-secondary. I didn't even know that was really an option, especially not being on the provincial teams. Like I had wonderful support from my family, um, but I just looked into the U- U.S. options, but I was too short. Nobody got back to me, and it wasn't until the last second. USCD wasn't an option because there wasn't really a coach. There was a switch over; else took over, and. He contacted me and he's like, "Hey, I've heard your, i you're good. I'd love you on the team." He was rebuilding, but I was super late. I was like, "Don't worry, I've secretly registered you." So she actually kind of saved the day and to the UC without knowing it so had she not done that I actually might have just redshirted at U of A and I don't know if I would have cracked the starting line because they were so strong so that worked out well for me so thanks mom for that one.
0: <laughs> Amazing so you went from just being happy to play post-secondary so what was that first year like it must have been a pretty good learning curve for you to be uh, CIS Rookie of the Year.
1: Yeah it was Crazy, like I, like I said, I was. I know I've always been short. I've been told that my whole life. Just at five ten, um, so I was just. Wasn't sure if I'd even start, but Kevin Boyles was really rebuilding um, that season, and so I did have some chances to start as a left side. And kind of one thing that I think set me apart was I was a jump server, so that was a bit unique at the time, and so that just really kind of elevated my game. And then, yeah, we did okay that year. Didn't make playoffs, but like winning Rookie of the Year was a big surprise, and then just kind of set me up, I think, in that second For sure, third year, I think I was even captain, so um, it was just really neat. With Kevin, that was his rookie year, so me and him, just to do, like, I had five years there, Um, and each year, being better, stronger, losing in quarters, losing in finals, losing in semis, and finally, in my fifth year, in four, we actually, we won nationals, so that was pretty sweet.
0: Where did uh, the confidence come from you, and I, I guess Coach Boyles, where, like you said, you didn't make playoffs in your own conference, and by the end of your career, you're a national champion, so... Was there ever a moment maybe in your your second, your third, your fourth year where you really noticed it was going to start to click or did it just kind of happen gradually?
1: It was a really gradual and neat experience. Kevin Boyles, like what a coach. He just has such a calm way about him and he just slowly built such a great – and feisty, tenacious team. A lot of girls who weren't standout names, like myself, I was kind of a nobody, but he took a chance on me. Um, A lot of older players, like one of my good friends, Jill Friend, from BC. She had taken some years off, but she joined. And just piece by piece, adding these feisty players, Natalie Shorts, who's now the UC head coach, he built such a strong team. And we were all, a lot of us were strong leaders. So going through those years of not winning and having that heartbreak just really made us so hungry to finally win in that fifth year. So we built confidence amongst ourselves. And that's one great thing that I so appreciated from Kevin is he was not doesn't say much as a coach. I'll always remember him on the sides. Just with his hands saying, calm, calm. And you'd look over at him for, like, you're panicking, you need advice. You look over at Kevin, and he's just, like, nodding his head and just has his hands saying, calm, calm. And so we really just learned to win as a team, and we did. But like, And he was just so supportive, but also he let us battle it out in practices. We had to battle for the starting spot. My good friend Jill would constantly chirp me over the net, like, making me swing even though my shoulder was bad and just having that fire even in practices I think by the fifth year we just had all engines rolling and then I think we beat even in the final there and it just felt it felt right it was a perfect end I know to my five years so
0: Now, is there any example you can give us what practice looks like? Because I think it it is a great concept to recruit fighters and players like that. But you just kind of touched on some battles in practice. So can you give us an example of how, like, that culture is cultivated uh, during practice, whether it's everything's competition and you keep score? Or, like, what were some little Mm -hmm. things that you guys did as a squad?
1: Kevin was really – he really let you kind of develop your game. Um, He he even admitted himself he wasn't a big technical guy He wouldn't – help you like develop a new skill but he did let you figure things out and he let us figure it out as a team so our practices they were always the same like warm up like doing the slo drill like pass that hit pass that hit and i remember at the time being like oh doing this again but now that i'm a coach um and seeing other i've been an assistant coach seeing how other coaches do it i think he just had a real solid base and then it'd be some drills but then it would be gameplay and washes. And he would let us every now and then, he would flip someone, right, like from the maybe the starting side to non-starting side, or sometimes he totally mixed it. But because he wasn't interfering all the time, there was a lot of time for us to figure it out. Whereas nowadays, I wonder, and even as a, when I was coaching, I find sometimes the athletes are looking at you so much, or they want the coach to tell them what to do. Kevin was just like, you look at him, and he would just do his usual move of just calm and steady, and then you had to look to your team. So that was just so neat in practices. We would talk about how to beat the other side. So it wasn't just reps that didn't mean anything. Every drill, we were so competitive. Uh, Even Natalie Schwartz is so competitive herself. Like, we would just fight to even win the drill. And, you know, the kind of famous thing Kevin did, I think, in our fifth year we were almost at our throats too much. Practice was really flat the day before, so we showed up thinking we were going to get to travel from Kevin, and then he looks at us and he's like, "You know what? You guys just need to go to the den." <laughs> he's like, "You need to go to the bar," and he sent us to the bar. Our whole team. It was just we just went for food and drinks. I think it was four p.m. But that, like, solidified our team for that year, and we always said that was the turning point when we had our DEN practice instead of a regular practice.
0: Wow, that's gutsy for a coach to pull that move. Nice.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So we are in the season of national championships for U Sports. So for you, over the course of your career, what did you kind of learn from that tournament, and would you give any advice to a younger athlete who's kind of going into it? Because it can be a pretty daunting event, or it could be Mm. something that you look forward to all year. Like, what did you learn throughout your career with that uh, national championship event? yeah going into it like every year the in my second year we
1: were doing really well and we were almost so cocky and confident that we like lost in the court in the first round because we didn't take that team seriously. So we got upset. So then the next year we like made it to the finals, but then just almost so nervous that we let nerves take over and we changed how we played. And then you know each year just getting confidence realizing you can't take any game for granted. And that every point counts and then finally in that final year just each each member of the team contributing i remember in our semi-final our uh, p2 janelle finley just stepped up and played the game of her career and like saved the day for us we had Brittany hutton came in as a serving sub like we all just contributed in any like, in so many instances when you know, you, th- you thought maybe it had to be your big hitter, um, but it actually, we were surprised to have, like, everyone play a role. So I think never thinking that if you're on the bench, you're not going to contribute because it could happen at any moment. Um, that's also a big thing. So just going in really mentally strong, confident, but also com- calm, knowing that the other team's going to play their best volleyball. You're going to try to play your best, but if a point doesn't go your way, just stay steady, just breathe, and then just go on point
0: by point. And what do you remember about your championship year? Like, who did you play in the final? Who was hosting that year? Like, uh, how how many details do you remember from that year?
1: Yeah, it was a bit of a ways away in 2004, but um, we were, played U of A in the final, and like I said, it just finally felt like the wheels engine was rolling but we were just cautiously optimistic we had a huge semi-final to get into the final um I remember at the time we had like a favorite uniform like a color and I know at the last second you like changed their color so we had to wear our white ones which weren't our favorites but I remember we were like it's all good like if anything that kind of just peeped us, off, peeped us off a little bit to so be like let's do this and then uh man, did we just play well, and they almost crumbled a bit, like we had in the past, and I remember the championship point, I got set, and did a little wipe off, they tried to get it over one touch two, three, and then it was four touches, and we won, so it was awesome, so, man, so many years, that was just so, felt so good to win it.
0: Nice. And people might look back and say, okay, you won CIS. You were the MVP or player of the year. Like it, it's just a natural step to go to the national team. But uh, I just learned you had a, a pretty serious shoulder injury. So did you think volleyball uh-huh. was over or did you know you could transfer to a different position?
1: Yeah. I, looking back to I realized I probably injured my shoulder in my second year. Um, I was just always been pretty thin and at the time didn't realize how important strength training was. And being a a hitter and a jump server I probably tore it in my second year so playing year after year I'd really try and reserve it in during practice and I guess that's also how I got pretty good at doing roll shots and cut shots (laughs) Um, but by my fifth year it was just pretty trashed and I remembered my coach also got a little hard on me and I couldn't figure out why And then he finally admitted, well, the physios just can't see anything wrong with it. So they think it's just low pain tolerance. (laughs) And I remember just thinking, I I don't think it is. Like, I'm trying so hard. I was taking Advil before just trying to get through it. So when my season ended, um, I did get a pro contract in France. um, But, wow, did that team not warm up? Like, straight to jump serves. And I trashed my shoulder. So after, by Christmas, I came home finally got like an MRI and a scope and turns out my labrum was almost completely torn off and they think yeah it must have happened years and years ago so by that point it was like is this career ending like it was nice to have that diagnosis finally but two surgeries later and a frozen shoulder I thought I was done for so um that was hard to come back from I did luck out that year there was a fichu game team a national b team opportunity to go to turkey and I went as a libero so I would do pepper with my left hand and uh, I would serve with my left hand so actually I'm pretty good now with my left because of that (laughs) Um, but yeah I did one year as libero and that just kind of got me back on the track with volleyball and then that's kind of led me into my beach career after that
0: what do you remember about that pro season? Was there a lot of pressure on you being a foreigner to come in and kind of have an impact on the team? Like, were they aware of the injury or were they kind of also pressuring you that, like, you need to perform, you need to go today?
1: They were pretty happy, like, I think, because, I again, they just saw a short player on paper, right? So I think they were surprised that I was a jump server. They were surprised I was a smart hitter. So I think had I... Um, if my shoulder wasn't bad I might have continued and might have worked my way up like I, that was a div 2 team so I might have uh, kept going but with that shoulder injury um, I couldn't manage that like the two practices a day and I had a bit of a crazy coach so I was okay to come home <laughs> and take care
0: of the shoulder Yeah. Now, when you say crazy there has to be a story there you can let us know <laughs> about because there, there's a lot of crazy volleyball coaches so what's an example oh, of your
1: oh he was interesting that one and I could just tell right away he was loud and only spoke a bit of French at the beginning. But he would—he could tell he was swearing, and the girls were afraid of him. But every day there, it's just the culture that—that practice. You have to give bezos on the cheeks. So here you're given, you just cringe at. You got to give three kisses on his scratchy cheeks. Like, oh, that was awful. But uh, he just—we had away tournaments, and he would be drinking. he wouldn't want him to drive you home. Like, it was just pretty sketchy. His elderly dad was our trainer of our team. Um, finally, by the end, when I left, and they knew I wasn't coming back, they tried to convince me to play the year, but the girls finally complained about him that right before I left, when they knew I was leaving, the committee wanted to hear an athlete's advice. They knew I spoke French, so learning for months there. And so I had my translator friend. The manager was with me, and in front of the board of directors, they asked my, "Oh man, what's that movie with Will Ferrell where
0: he just blabs out and is so smart to debate?" That's just kind of <laughs> old school. Yeah, yeah in we French
1: and like pretty much got this guy fired because they were just like had no idea that I could explain all the things and all the areas where he wasn't a good coach. And then even my my uh, friend, the translator, was like, "I didn't know you could do that." And that was the peak of my French. After that, I've lost it. But <laughs> luckily, I think the team got a new coach. So
0: <laughs> awesome. So when you came back home and you got uh, a, a spot on the national team, was that? Uh, exciting for you to learn a new position and continue with volleyball? Because I imagine you had to be pretty down knowing that your career could be over from an injury that was, you know, like you said, could have been around from second year, right? So it's got to be a big way uh-huh. on you.
1: Yeah, it was uh, so great to have the opportunity that I was just happy to be playing. Definitely new to be a libero. Um, just I'm such a, I wanted to put the ball my nature I wanted to score it so I would pass it and be like oh that's really hard for me to realize the that, and I wanted to get into something else so that's when I was like I gotta get into the beach I gotta make this happen
0: so nice and and this will be exciting for us because most of our beach athletes we've had have made the the move to Toronto where it sounded like you had a Calgary coach and a Calgary partner so did you stay out west and train full-time to get ready for traveling and representing Canada on the beach?
1: Yeah, at the time, like, I hooked up with a fellow dino taller than me, so she was the blocker, and uh, we ended up having Kathy Tuff, like an Olympian, and also, not only that, just an amazing coach and person, so we had, I think, about one or two development years and then by that second or third year we had made the national team and that for that one glorious year it was a really great system we felt of like bc had a top team alberta had us as the top team we were competing um and then just that next year they switched things up again where they kind of wanted everyone to move to toronto so that was a Tough change. Um, we definitely could have made that move, but being Westerners, um, and both of us are super close with our family, and just didn't have that financial support and chasing down sponsors. So we kind of took it as far as we could, and then just decided we both kind of um, we would have had to push. I can't remember the year we stopped. I think it was two thousand and eight or nine. We would have had to make a big push to make it happen, and it just was so far out of sight financially that yeah that was kind of the end for us
0: so and how would you compare your time on the beach to indoor like was it kind of similar because you had represented Canada because you guys did quite well I believe you finished fourth in Spain at a challenger Mm -hmm. like you guys were definitely improving as you continued to play more right
1: Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it was if had we done more of those challengers and the satellite events I think that would have been a smarter track for us we kind of um we tried to go to the main events we went to China Poland, for sure, and that, um, I think we did China-Korea back-to-back, and just that kind of blew our budget, right, so, and you go there, and you played a country quota, and we wouldn't, ma- we wouldn't make it, so, it was a lot of money, a lot of time away, whereas Spain was awesome, we did a Orseca in Puerto Rico, and that, like, to be able to play more games, play more ball, to be able to train, like, we trained with Brazilians, Australians, like, that was such a great experience, so, Looking back now, and for future athletes I coach, it'll always be like, how do you work from the ground up? Like, what's the smartest plan? And that's now as a coach, a beach volleyball coach um, for athletes I'm going to be working with, that'll always be what I encourage them to do. Let's make a smart plan. Let's look at your season. How can we grow you? Instead of, I think we just jump to the top, thinking this is how it's done. And is I think it was a little bit premature. I think there could have been a better way to do it.
0: Do you remember how you felt when you're playing those country quotas? Because we've had a lot of beach players on the show talk about how nervous they are getting off a of plane to play in a qualifier. But this one's an extra yeah. step where you got to play a fellow Canadian team just to get into the qualifier, right? So
1: mm-hmm. how, how does it feel
0: spending all that money just you know, just to play another yeah. Canadian team, right?
1: Yeah, it's not ideal, and that's like just the tricky part with like our big country. And at that time, right, we... It was so big, so yeah, we would have maybe smarter to go travel to Toronto or to have vice versa. Can we meet in the middle and do the country quota at home? Because it's definitely, that was so defeating at the time to do back-to-back, go and play a Canadian team um, and then not make it. So super defeating, tons of pressure. You know, you're trying to play your best, but there is that financial pressure, right? Like, we have to make this happen. So yeah, it would just would have, like I said, whereas if we could have gone the challenger route, the satellite route there's just not as much pressure some of the events are closer to home so I think going that smarter route would help take off that immense pressure as well as the financial strain of traveling that far.
0: So our listeners right now would would figure out that you've played at the highest level not only post-secondary but for Canada so uh, once you were retired did you think that was that was it or who kind of introduced you to one volleyball and to the NBVL like when did you first hear about these leagues?
1: Yeah it was so funny like I had kind of once the beach career is done I went and got my teaching degree I taught for three years um had my first little t- my first baby and then uh, I remember somebody was like come play like this in a fun tournament so I went out and boom blew out my knee so <laughs> two surgeries later I was like "Ah, oh, I just kid not gonna play volleyball again um had my second child and then it I kind of got slowly back into just playing my Barrow in my uh, women's league here at the Volley Dome with my close friends and after like a year of that, my body was just tired, I was still worried about my knee and I remember playing the last league game thinking, oh, I can't wait to be done and then my friend Maya Fruit was like, hey, did you hear about this one league? <laughs> She's like, the tryout is on Saturday, and it was Monday. And I was like, oh, no, I just want to be done. And then slowly I heard yeah, all these players, yeah, are you going to play? Are you going to play? And it was just spreading. And then I was like, what the heck? I can be libero. I'll do it. Something to do. I was getting a little, like, missing volleyball, being stay-at-home mom. And so, yeah, I had the tryout on Saturday and made the Cold Garden Tropic Hills. Didn't know a soul. Had heard of Dallas, and yes, and yeah. Uh, Man, what an experience. Ended up playing two years with them and met now one of my close friends, Jamie Tebow. It was just awesome. I'm so glad I took that chance.
0: Nice. And does a does story come to mind either about Dallas or Jamie? Because I'm sure Canadian volleyball fans hear their names and have a smile, right? So can you share uh-huh. just uh, maybe a first impression or just a story you've had with them over the last couple of years?
1: Yeah, well, I remember hearing too, like, at the draft I got picked up like by cold garden and um I looked at Maya and I see all the list of names and I'm like Maya I don't know anybody I think I've heard I've heard of Jamie Tebow, and she she laughs and she's like Jamie just said the same thing to me so Maya's like I'll introduce you to mop and uh so me and Jamie met and we're like hi I don't know anybody and uh but, man, did Jamie and Dallas do a good job of just creating a fun team culture where we all got so close so fast. And Dallas is such a fun, goofy guy. Jamie is even goofier. Like, those two talk about successful, but they're also just good people. They, they care so so much about the team and that's I think what made the Tropicals so successful in the One League is we brought out those colourful fans, um, we had colourful spandex and you could just tell we were enjoying it, Um, whereas some of the other teams like they weren't quite sure, you know, you could tell that they were still establishing their team and their relationships like because Dallas and Jamie were so in, everyone bought in. Everyone wanted to train, we all wanted to win and then to do it, yeah, in our second year here we... (laughs) won the Calgary part, and then we went and played Canada Cup and beat Toronto. That was just an epic game. So it was just so cool.
0: Yeah, you seem to have uh, reentered the, to the highest level of our sport at a very good time because you got to play a, a Canadian matchup with the, uh, excuse me, One Volleyball League, and you got to do it again with the NBVL. So <laughs> as somebody who's represented Canada, how do you enjoy that, like, even though it's uh, – I don't want to use the word recreational because it's it's too high for that, but Uh even though it is people with full-time jobs and might have families and people from all Uh different walks of life, what's it like kind of playing against different provinces or at these major Canadian events?
1: It's just such a neat opportunity, and I'm so, like... I'm just so happy that people like, people like the Jaron, Joe, Jackie, who brought out the One League, or Ben Saxton with NBVL, like, I'm so happy they created it and the, because then I'm getting a second chance. Like I did think my volleyball career was done. I achieved some great things. And then to be able to come back out of retirement and to play again at a high level and to do it in town, um, that's been the coolest thing as a lot of my playing was done whether it's in Toronto or BC or if it's internationally or I play pro in France, my, my family and friends didn't see that. So to be able to do one league and have my family and friends see me play again, that's been awesome. And then for the NDVL this year, like it was so neat. Just every um, every weekend more and more fans came. I had aunts and uncles and cousins and my kids were there. And it was just so neat to play high, high-level ball right in town. Uh, I just couldn't be happier.
0: Yeah, how would you rank the the first year of the MBVL? Because Ben mentioned like he had connections there. Obviously, his family's there, and his sister still okay. lives there. But there was kind of an unknown about trying to find owners and players. Like, how did the ke- uh, community respond as soon as he <laughs> kind of launched that it was going to happen?
1: Yeah, because um, we hadn't heard too much about it. Like the first year in Vancouver, um, I know we I think Calgary was busy embracing the one league. Um, so when we heard it was coming. I know myself and my good friend Haley Funk, we had been talking about what can we do. Um, she had ran all the Smash for Cash tournaments in town with Maya Fru and um, they're known for being involved in Calgary volleyball. So with me and Haley being beach players, we just said, let's come together. What can we do? Let's buy a team. And so we got her husband Mike Funk's JL Funk Construction to jump on as well, and we bought a team called Play Beach, and then just... We started spreading the word, we started helping Ben, like, how can we get more owners? And then once people just kind of saw who was trying out, right, I convinced Jamie Tebow. come on, Jamie, you'll be such a good beach player. I got her to come. Um, and then knowing that Meg Naj from the National Beach Team and Camille Saxton, Steph Burnside, all these big names, like, and the guys, Jaron Mueller, Colton DeMann. Once people heard they were coming out, it just, I think we had about 44 people at the tryouts. Like it was so awesome to see all these people just come out and support
0: it. Wow, very, very impressive. So, are you still on the fence, or are you going to sign up for one volleyballer? I guess they they've switched their name to the Canadian Volleyball League this year, I believe. But uh, okay, have, have you decided? Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm still
1: considering. After last year, like I'm still nursing this dad shoulder. It does take a lot of maintenance. So after, at the end of last year, I had told Dallas, so I don't know, I think I might be done. <laughs> um, and then I played, just for fun, a bit of indoor with that women's league again. Uh, and the last season of the year, I lost my indoor volleyball bag, all my gear, knee pads were in there. So I took that as a sign. As maybe I should just stick to the beach. Uh, but you know i got jamie messaging me dallas and it's just such a good time that and so much fun that it'll be hard to say no so i'm i'm about 80 percent in <laughs> i haven't told dallas that yet but i think i'll make it, i think i'll make it happen again it's just too much fun to pass up
0: nice hopefully we'll see you in that one and then uh, yeah toronto we kind of dabbled with the nbvl format here and hopefully we'll be a part of it next year and it sounds like Calgary will will only be the probably the same owners or if he can expand it to six like he did in Vancouver it sounds like it was a big hit this year
1: yeah it was and you know the players that were drafted like all the alternates for each team are so strong here in Calgary uh, that I know there's we have the ability talent wise to expand to six. So hopefully we just need to get the owners out to do two more teams. Cause you know, we have that facility, the great facility at the beach YYC. And I think like the community, the beach volleyball community with CBVA and the volley dome. And now our, uh, our beach company play beach. We're just hoping to grow the sport more and more. So anything we can do to be involved we if we can encourage athletes, we really got to get those post-secondary athletes or the post, post-secondary athletes. We got to get them out. Um, I think a lot of them are like, I don't know how to make that move from indoor to beach. Um, So we're looking at what can we do? Can we do clinics? Let's just invite them out to train um, just to get them to that next level because we'd love to see some more names out there for next
0: next draft. Awesome. Yeah, hopefully some of the athletes you're coaching with will want (laughs) to step up and play in that league as well. So for the NBBL, I've seen it kind of as an organizer and I've talked to Ben about it, but I did want to hear a player perspective where I think fans know what makes this difference is you're you're competing with a team of the opposite gender and you're playing at the same time and there's overtime and it's a league format versus an, in beach, I feel like most of the time we're competing, it's always a tournament, right? So uh-huh. um, for somebody who's representing Canada in a tournament, how, how much fun was it to kind of change it and be in a team and be in a league format? Yeah, it was really unique, you know, that... Yeah, beach is its own like, thing. You
1: go forward with a partner and you, as a twosome, just work together. So to have it go to like a draft where you're selecting a team, like that was so unique in its own way. You know, having to play with somebody new and then having to connect with your the other side to the, to the men's side. Every week it was so interesting. You know, one week we'd win, our guys would lose, so we'd have to play that overtime match. Um, and how cool that was you know we had a lot of fans come out and they kept coming back because of that overtime match they were like this is just too cool to go point by point by point like the girls play a point and then the guys would play the next point based on who won uh, that happened so many times um, and where Man, like, the outcome, it would go to, like, seventeen fifteen in that overtime match. And to have your guys, like, on the side cheering you on uh, while you played out that point and then you do the same for them, like, it was, that's so unique. I've never experienced that. So it was just such an awesome opportunity. It really had that team vibe, um, having our play beat cheering on each other, watching the CBBA guys. We had an epic semifinal at CBBA. And uh, like watching Darren and Colton and Tucker on the side, like cheering on their girls, Leah and Claire, uh, and watching it on the video after, it was just so cool. Like for Ben to come up with this idea and not just have another league or another tournament, I think that little spin on things is going to be what makes this league successful.
0: So for Toronto, we drafted pairs just because us us being affiliated with the national team, it was just easier to let them play with their partner in preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, with Calgary and Vancouver as a player, did you train with your partner very often before the league? Were there people ta- kind of taking this casually or was everyone kind of dialed in and wanted to maybe train once a week and then compete once a week?
1: Yeah, it was people, you could tell people didn't know what was going to really happen. We did as a whole community, tried to do some training sessions beforehand. Uh, the King of the Beach League is really competitive here in Calgary. Uh but yeah, when it came time for the draft, like it wasn't by partners. So that in itself was really an interesting concept. So we had kind of December <laughs> to meet your partner. Or like my I was playing with Ashton McKenzie and I had kind of only heard of her, met her once, and then it was like, Hi, okay. <laughs> Let's go. And for her, she's played at Trinity, a new beach athlete. It was like how to learn beach volleyball in <laughs> six weeks. So what a cool experience it was. And like to do it, not only me helping her, but Scott Leahy, he's like a legend out here in Calgary in terms of just his experience, he would work with her on her blocking, Um, and then just each week to see us grow as a team, Um, we'd all come out, train once or twice a week, and then compete on the weekends, yeah, it was just a really, really neat format.
0: Um, speaking of your coaching career though, I did want to touch up on just some of the notes we talked about before the show where you, you seem to be just kind of a magnet for random coaches giving you tips, whether it was Terry Danilak kind of walking through the gym or a Brazilian coach when you're training in California. So, um, how as an athlete, were you open to this, this these random people giving you feedback? Were you just willing to try it or did you kind of know these people who were just, uh, kind of stopping and giving you pointers, whether it was like Evie Matthews or Terry Danilak or Don Saxton, like how are you in these opportunities, I guess?
1: Yeah, you know, and I think playing for Kevin Boyles for those five years, like I said, he was such a calm coach. He didn't say much, right, so he didn't try to change you ever, so – I had just gotten used to that. So I just loved hearing all of a sudden, randomly, you had to have Terry Danilak walk in the gym and do some passing reps with me. And then he's like, you never take it with your hands. And I was like, no, I don't, because I'm a beach player, so I'm worried it's going to go through. And he just showed me how to to, um, receive with a set. And that was five minutes, and that just changed my game, right? Same with in California, having one Brazilian coach tell your partner to wait for the set before they start their approach. And that, like just changed me and Joe's beach career because I couldn't set her and I couldn't figure out why. So that's just what's so cool about just different coaches and being open to anything. Like I will never turn down a piece of feedback. Even Don Sex this year. He's uh, he was a part of the Dome Defenders. His daughter Camille's on the team, but during a training session he just walks by. You got pretty nice hands mops, but it's a little old school. You gotta you know, quicken up that deep dish. <laughs> and I'm like, done. I'll do it. <laughs> so yeah, I'll take any advice and that's kind of the style of coach I am as well. Uh, I just see little technical things and if a player is open to it, I'll just see and then throw that little bit of advice. Cause you never know how that's going to help somebody. I know I've benefited from a lot of these random little opportunities advice and I, I'll take it.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I did just want to touch on if you had any uh, extra stories, you've told a good few, uh, excuse me, you've told a few good ones already during our episode, but we do like to end with a, a funny one from the road, so I don't know if it's from training in California or being in France, or if you just have a an odd volleyball one that even though you were, you know, a, a great player, a champion, an MVP, all that good stuff. Did anything funny ever happen on these road trips or when you're with your squad?
1: Oh, so many little ones. It's hard to even recall. Recall. I just think, I think that it was always funny to me, like just with beach. Like we started going to California every year, and. The first couple of years, you know, we go down in May. Here's me and Jo. Uh, she's Polish. I'm British. We're so pale going down to Hermosa Beach to train, blinding people with our pale bodies. And obviously right, in, right away they know we're Canadian. <laughs> uh, but then to be in a tournament and hold our own. And we actually upset some really decent teams. And also they saw us because down there um, nobody really handsets too much. But here we are de-dishing away. And they're just like we kind of grew a little bit of a crowd around our courts each game because they were like, wow, these like are, these Canadians are actually pretty good. So uh, I think after two weeks we worked on our tan a little bit to not be so obvious. But <laughs> I always loved just being the kind of random Canadian team to show up and to do pretty good. So
0: Awesome. And you'll be coaching on the beach. Is that through Play Beach? Is that kind of the program if people wanted to Google it or search if, they, if they're a young athlete in Calgary who wants to play beach this summer?
1: Yeah, playbeach.ca, you know, we just finished the MBBL and that was our focus for a long time, just getting that up and running. We really want to, like I mentioned, get that adult, um, get the adult scene going because it's pretty strong here, like 14U to 18U, um, but before and after, nobody's really doing anything. So we've got summer camps, two weeks of summer camps lined up for uh, 14 and under, where it's all about sand play, beach play, but there will be a competitive aspect as well. And then uh, we're—I'm just talking with Haley Funk. We want to do some end of May, like kick off to the beach season clinics, where we're reaching the 14 to 18 new groups, letting them know, you know, if you want to play, be- play beach in Alberta, what does it look like? I mean, did you know the Alberta Beach Provincial Teams coming up? Uh, did you know there's great programs at the Volley Dome? Did you know there's CBVA leagues? Like we just want to educate people because that's the thing that we're realizing is. People don't know how to grow in beach. What's the path? How do I get to the national team? What does that look like? So we really just want to be like the umbrella company in Alberta where we're connected to everybody. We're offering our own programs. We're not competing. We're not trying to steal business. We just want people to play. So through like the spring kickoff, through the summer camps, and hopefully through MDVL, we just want to create little training opportunities where people can play with me or can see a Kimi Saxton hopefully and be inspired by that and then know that they'd go from the provincial team to maybe what's the next step to nationals. What does nationals look like? Can you get to the NBVL? Can you get down to California? So that's just what we want to do is create that path and be almost those consultants of like, how can we make that happen?
0: Awesome. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So hopefully people reach out. Uh, we'll put it in our show link. This is... This has been awesome, yeah.
1: Nice. Thanks so much, Josh.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Big assist to super best friend of the show, Ben Saxon, because uh, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if we ever would have came across each other, but it's awesome to get an athlete of your caliber on the show and telling some stories. And it sounds like you're up to a lot of great stuff, and we'll have to have you back on soon to kind of fill us in with the youth stuff and hopefully your return to one volleyball and the MEBL and everything else you got going on.
1: Yes. No, thanks so much, Josh. Happy to chat.